This is the Courtesy versus Carter podcast, hosted by me, Caroline Lancaster, with my daddy, Lee. Courtesy versus Carter, Chapter 9, Reenacting the Alamo in McAllen, Texas. When the AAM was visiting in Washington, D.C. for the first time, some of the strike leaders became impatient with the lobby efforts, progress, and wanted to stir the pot. Many of them felt that they needed a dramatic demonstration of their plight to speed up the legislative process. A meeting was held near the shores of Lake Texoma to plan their next move. On February the 21st, they sent representatives from each state organization and they all met in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma. And um, I've asked people who were in the uh, uh, higher-ups in AAM and the agriculture movement, how they ended up in Caldera, Oklahoma. Uh, Nobody really knows. So anyway, there was this meeting of all the states trying to decide on the next move, what we're going to do. They talked about blockading the the big highways, um, not necessarily roads out in the middle of Montana or something like that. I mean, taking tractors and blocking the roads coming into the big towns, like um, going into Atlanta or Omaha or somewhere like that. Uh, just basically see, laying seeds to an entire city. You know, Kansas City comes to mind. That's where all of the uh, beef goes before it goes to the packing houses. You're talking about Omaha, same thing. All these old uh, Midwestern towns where the railheads were started out and then the cattle were driven from Texas and Oklahoma, Kansas up into the plains and loaded on boxcars, rail cars, and sent straight to Chicago where the kill plants were all these big towns uh the thing that it was numbers what it came back down to everybody knew that if they were gonna blockade an entire town a big city you think about atlanta how it is now it was a big place back in the 70s it's ginormous now but uh you got 85, 285, 75, 20. You got little roads coming in, uh, 400, uh, 78, 29, uh, not 29, 19, 41, but you didn't have 285, you didn't have 675, you didn't have 400 back in them days. But it was still tough to ring a town like that and cut it off because every the interstate was taking the place of 41 and 41 was taking the place of a couple of other roads that were coming into atlanta that you could take 
and so it was not going to work and when you mustered up all of these folks you were going to have basically the same number of folks that you had in Washington at that particular moment and they figured that they were probably going to be able to muster up about 5,000 people to do something like that and they didn't have enough people to to cause a ruckus like they wanted to on a large scale in a large town so they decided to to um, take an issue that was on everybody's mind in the AAM and highlight it by going to the place where it was most prevalent and so they decided to go to the border and they were going to blockade the border and they were going to um, they were going to keep the produce trucks from coming across because they were the first people to to push the the cool labeling that we we now have you started in 78 and cool labeling country of origin labeling you gotta label the country of origin that meat and produce would come from that didn't even come into effect until 2006 and 7 and 8 so that was 30 good years after they started talking about it down at a place called Hidalgo County, McAllen, Texas. And they picked the bridges across the Rio Grande where all the all of the produce was coming from, from Brownsville to over around uh, McAllen. There's six bridges. The big one that you know of is the Far Bridge. That's where 50% of the produce comes from nowadays. But there's a lot of bridges coming into the United States. Huge amount of traffic. You think about how much produce, and they're going to scan. They're going to check these trailers for what you can imagine. Cocaine and uh, other drugs, uh, human trafficking, smuggling, you name it. They've got to watch out for those things too so naturally you're going to have a, a choke point right there so they've got six options that you can use to get across well in hidalgo county there's three of them and so they decided that they were going to blockade all three of those bridges at some point or another in march and they were going to stop traffic on that bridge and they were going to get a photo of what was coming across and the AAM folks they were concerned that the produce coming in from Mexico and produce is not just coming from Mexico when it crosses the border it comes from several other countries from down in Central America instead of coming in on a boat a lot of it does come in on uh, on trucks and a lot of those AAM members were concerned that there were restricted pesticides that we couldn't use in the United States or if you had a pesticide that you used that showed up in a, in a chemical analysis because it had been sprayed at the wrong rate or, or maybe the wrong day. Maybe you had a, a, a sprayed it 
within 24 hours of it being picked because uh, some kind of a, a moth had gotten into them or a you know a army worm or something like that. So that was the deciding factor. They wanted to highlight produce from other countries, maybe even being mislabeled. Maybe it was um, harmful to for human consumption. Really didn't didn't know. So um, the all of the leaders decided that that's what we're going to do. Well, during the same period of time, you've got the egg fight in Amarillo. You got the egg fight in Macon, and you got the pickup cade is still going on. You got all of the major um, leaders of this leaderless lot are up in Washington, D.C. But you've still got a huge amount of grassroots going on. Um, even to this day, I've had people tell me that from um, from that meeting, from the word got when the word got out, they talked about it at every meeting about the McAllen protest and they went all over the state of Georgia just barn burning and uh, barnstorming and telling everybody that they were wanting to go to McAllen and have a protest and y'all need to come with us and on uh, one of the trips across Texas Tommy Kersey went from Georgia to Arizona and he stopped in Texas and he spoke with the media and he told the reporters that there were going to be hundreds of Georgia farmers and thousands of other farmers from other states meeting in Hidalgo County, Texas on March the 1st and they were going to hold three bridges for several hours to spotlight produce coming in that was not domestic that was not up to the standard of the domestic stuff they weren't inspected and they weren't raised like they ought to be in the united states and he told the reporters that the hidalgo county location was chosen because of its small police force and they had back in December had uh, blockaded the bridge in in El Paso and that lasted about four minutes because uh, El Paso is a huge city gigantic and there was a huge police force to go along with it and as soon as they blocked that bridge that was their lifeblood the police went down there and that was basically stopped immediately so february the 28th came and farmers were driving into town farmers were landing at this airport that was just a really just a drag strip with a bunch of with a with a communication tower and a bunch of produce warehouses around it and a lot of the farmers drove in and they three-quarter ton four-wheel drive long wheelbase pickup trucks and they all checked in at the one hotel in town the holiday inn 
Yeah, at the airport. There may have been another uh, hotel somewhere. I imagine it was, but uh, this is one that they they knew about. And so they all got there, and there was 200 farmers at the protest getting ready to go on February the 28th. 39 out of the 200 farmers were from the state of Georgia. And some of the farmers had planned on driving in the next day to support everybody else. And so they didn't have everybody there at McKellen that were going to be on the bridge. A lot of them had planned on being there the next day whenever that was going to be to support the guys that were showing up in the uh, in the beginning stages. So the evening before... The organizers met with this mayor of the city of McAllen, Texas. And you want to talk about uh, Batman and uh, the Joker or or the Riddler or the Scarecrow or whatever, an arch enemy. This was public enemy number one for the, for the American agriculture movement. If they thought Jimmy Carter was bad, they had never met a man named Othel Brand. And he was a huge farmer. He had just as much farmland south of the Rio Grande as he had north of the Rio Grande. And he was the mayor of McKellen. And McKellen is not on the border. McKellen is about 10 miles north of the border. And so you're just out in the middle of the sticks when you're talking about going to the McKellen Bridge. I don't know what it's like over there now, but it was a fair piece from McKellen to the Rio Grande. And they all met with the mayor of McKellen, and they all shook hands, and they had an agreement. They were going to be able to demonstrate, and the way it was going to go, they were going to get on that bridge that morning, 8 o'clock, and stop some trucks and get some pictures and pictures of the produce and and then they were going to be able to take that imagery back and use it for their campaign back home and nationwide and then they were going to open the bridge back up and everything's cool well like i said mayor brand he had probably a third of the trucks that were coming in had it were owned by him and uh, that was something that he did not uh, did not disclose to the farmers he didn't tell them about this they didn't know I don't think they did they didn't realize that they were meeting with a guy that was owning the trucks that they were going to take the pictures of this was probably this was about to get ugly and there was also a a uh, a cannery that Othel Brand had, and he would take some of these vegetables, and he would can them, and that would be Brand Foods. You would see them all over back in the seventies and the eighties. You would see that uh, that brand of of uh, canned goods throughout the United States. And for the mayor 
looking back at it now, thinking about the mayor allowing them to have a protest, meeting up with them, uh, talking with them, helping them out, him being 10 miles from the bridge, it was not, didn't look quite like they had <clears throat> done their homework. And so at 7 o'clock the next morning, they got to the International Bridge. They, they parked. They walked out there on the bridge. There are sidewalks on both sides of the bridge. They got to looking, and there wasn't a livestock truck. There wasn't a produce truck. There was nothing but cars coming through. And their good friend, Othel Brand, was helping them out by being their um, guide, their local guide for the, for the day. And he looked around with them, and, and he was kind of uh, curious. He's like, oh, well, you know, the produce trucks really aren't going to start rolling in until about 1 o'clock, you know, so y'all... Y'all can go back to the hotel and watch y'all's three channels on the TV and just chill out until the trucks start coming in this afternoon, you know, come back about 1 o'clock. Well, they still had their faith and trust in Othel Brand, so they looked around and they said, okay, we'll come back about 1 o'clock and uh and see what's going on so they went down to back up to the uh holiday inn at the airport had them some lunch and they came back at about one o'clock and what they saw when they got to the bridge was a completely different situation than they had come across when they were at the mccallum bridge at 7 a.m there were on both ends of the bridge it looked as though there was an international incident that had occurred and it looked as though there were there were two countries worth of law enforcement one on each end of the bridge there were uh, policemen there were guards there were uh, lots of, of riot police they were dressed up like football players with the uh, those uh, billy clubs and they were ready for action what really stuck out in a lot of the farmers minds was not necessarily the riot gear and the shields it was the fact that most of the riot police had on gas masks and you're talking about south texas in march guys wearing gas masks so, and they if they didn't have to wear a gas mask they probably weren't going to wear them and so you had down below the Rio Grande bridge in Mexico you have Reynosa and the Mexican government had sent up their federal police and they had the police force from Reynosa and you also had Mayor Brand had every McAllen police as well as the entire Sheriff's Department force from Hidalgo County. And the Sheriff of Hidalgo County was Brig Mar Molego. 
and and the police force it was about two to one on the american side police to farmers and then you add everything together it was probably four to five to one compare it when you added in both countries worth of folks so yes we had ourselves an overkill situation you had texas rangers there too so you had plenty of folks to go around and sitting right there where the farmers had parked earlier in the morning there were enough prison buses sitting there to take every one of them to jail and so when they got there they saw the buses and this was the buses that they had all of the illegals that they moved around and also moving from the city jail to the state and federal prison they're coming out of the crowd from the mexico side there was one little old produce truck and it went through the crowd and it stopped right in the middle of the bridge middle of everything the driver got out put it in park got out took the keys put them in his pocket and disappeared the farmers had uh, cameras and whatnot with them that was about all they had and they all kind of looked around and they looked at each other and they said it's now or never folks and so they jumped on that truck and they got the snapping pictures and they they were seeing they they got pictures of the of the produce on the load and then about the time they started looking over the load and getting comfortable the police shouted that uh clear the highway and when they when they did that they looked around they said well it looks like that time because they got the billy clubs and we don't and so they got on the sidewalk and they got when they got to the sidewalk the police told them that they were blocking the sidewalk well they just got there and they said they were blocking the sidewalk and then the order came from the police to clear the bridge entirely and they told them that you have 15 minutes to clear the bridge and that came over the the bullhorn but the problem is the uh the action started about 14 minutes and 59 seconds early and so out came the clubs out came the tear gas the uh everybody that was not wearing a police uniform got a piece of the action and they beat them farmers on television there were camera crews there taking pictures and this is probably one of the most famous up to that point now they wanted to start an international incident well they got it but they the farmers wanted control of the incident the farmers wanted to write the 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 paragraphs and the narrative well they were on a a a train that didn't have any brakes 
they got on this thing that morning and they couldn't get off and they were beaten the police beat these these farmers they didn't have anything in the hands and um and then when they started uh dispersing them then they hit them with the tear gas i mean they they throwed it on them and when they had gotten enough when they had beat them enough they loaded them onto buses and they took them above mckellen to the county jail in edinburgh and just about the time all of this started happening there were two farmers in a three-quarter ton chevrolet pickup truck that had driven all the way from Alamo, Georgia, through the night and arrived just in time. They drove 1,200 miles. And one of the farmers said, if we'd gotten there two minutes earlier, they would have arrested us. And the law enforcement asked the farmers to get out of the road and before they got out of the right-of-way onto the side, they told the farmers they had 15 minutes to get off the bridge, and within just a minute, they started throwing the tear gas. He said the farmers did nothing out of the way. I couldn't believe they tear gassed them. There was also a cameraman that got a piece of it, too. And there are pictures of men with riot gear, men with these big canisters. They look like something out of World War One, And they got billy clubs. And then you got these farmers dressed up with the denim strike hats and the denim strike uh, shirts on. This, this was like a scene from the campus protests back in the 60s over Vietnam. This is what it reminded me of a lot. But instead of it being students, these were farmers. These were active farmers from all over the country instead of students and protesters from that time period. Well, they had uh, several camera crews down there that were just kind of getting some B-roll, and they didn't think there were going to be a whole lot going on they didn't think they were going to see a whole lot of action. They were just kind of taking it taking it easy. But uh, they got to be right in the middle of everything, and they were the part of the story, too, later on that evening. And they got put on the buses, and they got took to jail, and there was not room for 200 men in the jail and you can imagine there was probably people already in the jail and then they were going to cram 200 farmers in that jail when word got out that there was a bunch of farmers going to jail every news channel every news station in the united states sent somebody down there abc nbc cbs this was 10 or 12 years before CNN and all the other cable news networks. Gerald McCathern got word of it, and he was kind of the leader of the leaderless lot. He was in Washington lobbying. They told him what was happening 
And so he ran out of his office, went to the airport, caught the first thing to Houston, and then he flew out of Houston and landed on that rumble strip in the middle of the South Texas desert down there. And uh, he flew down and arrived about the same time that the Texas Attorney General arrived and he had a private plane. His name was John Hill and he was running for governor against the governor, Dolph Briscoe. And so he was looking for something to do and getting a little bit of free publicity. So John Hill beat Dolph Briscoe to the incident well ahead of time. The farmers, when they got to the jail, it was uh, they were charged with blocking the bridge, and every one of them was put on. They had a, a five hundred dollar fine for obstructing a public place, and so the farmers said, "We ain't playing paying five hundred dollars a piece for this. There's no reason we we didn't do anything wrong." So. They said, no, we're not going to do that. And so the, the farmers just decided to stay where they were. And so the, the farmers, when they got to jail, this was a, a real, uh, real crazy part of it. When the bus got to jail, it took from 1 o'clock when the attack happened till that evening to process the farmers. They took fingerprints. They took mug shots. They took uh, fingerprints and mug shots of some people four or five times. Some people didn't get no mug shots. Some people uh, walked right on into the jail and just kind of chilled out. Um, some of them went and got back into the crowd and left and decided that they weren't done. And so they went on back and got back into jail some of them just here and yonder all over the place, and then they they all ended up, 200 of them, incarcerated in the jail, and there was probably about room for 50. And the telephone started ringing at every American Agriculture Movement office in the United States. And the funny thing about it was these phone calls were coming from inside the Hidalgo County Jail because it was so overwhelmed the staff was that they just, the the farmers took over the place and, and they had the run of the, of the jail for several hours there. And the jailers had not, they didn't even go in some areas of the, of the place and, and a lot of the farmers ended up in places that they obviously shouldn't have been because when folks are in jail, they get their one phone call. You don't get a telephone. Every American Agriculture Movement office, when they got that phone call, the alarm went off and they said, get down here, we need help. Um, we need y'all to come down here and, and protest this situation. This isn't right. 
they want us to pay them a fine of $500 and we didn't do anything. And so every single flight to McAllen and Houston was booked and they took off. A lot of them took off out in pickups and cars and everything else that they could get. And they made it to McAllen when they figured out where it was. Well, there weren't enough cots in the jail, so a lot of the farmers slept outside on the ground. There was a courtyard in the middle of the jail, and a lot of the farmers decided that they would just sleep outside. Whenever they needed something, the farmers would tell the folks on the outside. By this time, there was a pretty good group of folks, and by the time they needed whatever... It was there. They told the, their wives and, and the other folks outside they needed blankets, they needed bread, they needed bologna, they didn't have any food in there. There wasn't enough food to go around, and it was jail food, so they'd rather eat bologna anyway. The doors had been left open, so if they needed something, they didn't have to get buzzed in. They just walked right on in and left it. They opened, what I was told was they opened the jail house doors and asked them, please leave. Come on, let's go. Get out of here. They said, no, we're not leaving. Now, two things come to mind on that situation. What would cause a sheriff's department to do something like that? Either they were completely exhausted of the situation, they realized something had gone wrong, or... They were trying to get another charge on these guys of trying to escape, which obviously would have been a felony, and that would have been a whole nother deal. Well, Leighton Kersey drove to town. His brother Tommy was in in the jail, and several people from Georgia, a lot of people, showed up at uh, the Hidalgo County Jail during that period of time. And he got, Leighton got up and told the crowd, I didn't drive a thousand miles just to sit in front of a jail. And things got going along uh, as time went by. The crowd outside grew and a tractor showed up in the middle of things and drove right up to the front door and threatened to drive through the front door of the jail. And the attorney general of the state of Texas, when he saw all of that, he knew that there wasn't a whole lot of time left. And he realized more that the crowd on the outside was in more danger than the, the folks inside the jail. And when he negotiated with the county folks and... Gerald McCathern had been told that every hardware store in town had sold out of axe handles. He knew that this was about to get off the rails and there wasn't going to be anything anybody could do to stop it. The uh, charges against all of the farmers was transferred to a justice of the peace with a fine of $28.50 apiece. And so some of the farmers 
uh, were released due to medical conditions. You know, some of them, uh, well, they all got tear gassed, but some of them got hit pretty hard. And by the time they totaled every bit of this up, it got to an even $5,000. And the farmers passed around a hat and collected that $5,000 and... All of a sudden, all the farmers were emerging from the jail. A lot of them were covered with blankets. They had the clothes on that they had on the day before. And one farmer who was walking out of the jail next to Tommy Kersey, you could see him holding up a sign, and it read, Don't farmers have civil rights? So one of the... Uh, well, the next morning, the farmers were allowed by the mayor, Othel Brand, to go back to the bridge. And they stopped one truck and got photos of the, of the produce on that truck. What I've been told they found on that truck, that was an Othel Brand truck. Othel Brand owned the produce on the truck. That's what I was told. They picked up and looked inside the boxes, and it was onions. And those onions, what I've, I've also been told, that those onions said product of U.S. coming in from Mexico. They had United States labels on these things at that time. Well, the very last farmer on the bridge was from Georgia, and his name was Tommy Kersey. So when they left the bridge, they all drove back home, and some of them went back to Washington. That day, the governor of the state of Texas, Dolph Briscoe, met with farmers at the airport, but by that time, most everybody had done gone to the house. Well, Briscoe lost the primary later on that year to John Hill, but John Hill lost the general election to Bill Clements, and he was a Republican riding a, a red wave that was coming in 1980 as well because of the fine job that the president was doing at the time. When Tommy Kersey told the reporters about the American agriculture movement coming down to McAllen to have a protest, I think that the hair on Othel Brand's neck probably stood up. And he came up with a plan that he was gonna break the American agriculture movement right there. The high water mark was gonna be on the Rio Grande. And it would have worked if they'd have just gone to jail and paid that fine, which would have totaled about $100,000. But they all called in, called in the cavalry. They all came. They, they protested this police brutality that was thrown on them. And they all stood together as one. And they got their folks 
out of jail. And that particular moment helped to solidify the relationship of all these farmers together from all over the United States, pulling together to protest something that wasn't right. And so instead of the American agriculture movement dying in the desert in South Texas, well, it got some rejuvenation from the Rio Grande that day. <laughs>